0: Hey there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. (laughs) Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast where we rate movies on a scale of how much they make us sob, because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm performer, writer, and anti-monarchist, Mabel Shimizu, and today I'm joined
1: by a special guest host. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. It's Karina here, friend of the podcast and roommate of beloved regular co-host, Kimia. You may recognize me from guesting on a previous episode, Lars and the Real Girl. Check it out if you haven't listened yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend it. Shameless plug. I'm happy to be back and I'm ready to talk about how amazing Angela Lansbury is, even that she can make me cry in her animated form. That's great, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. Um, Are you ready to dive into the Disney-fied Russian Revolution, the movie? Yes. So today we'll discuss amnesia. Getting slapped in the face at a Russian ballet. Being a rotting corpse that thrives on pettiness. And the universe sending signs in the form of a puppy. It's Anastasia. Yay! And then we'll finish with what made us cry this week. But before that, Karina, do you want to talk about why you wanted to cover Anastasia in your guest host episode? I remember you asking me the question of different movies that were a comfort or a good cry cry with me movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have some suggestions for nostalgic movies that were kind of like a gentle hug Mm. that I would turn to in times of um, just different emotional states not necessarily states of emotional turmoil but um, that felt more like a comforting hug and Anastasia was definitely one of them what about you Yeah, I was excited to talk about this movie. I grew
0: up watching Anastasia and regularly confusing Anastasia with other Disney princesses and then getting corrected (laughs) by people who were adamant that Anastasia is not a Disney princess who are now wrong in the year of 2021. Unfortunately, y'all lost that battle. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I love this movie. I grew up watching it all the time, and it's just—it is very comforting. I like what you said about it being, like, a warm hug. Oh.
1: yeah that's great I'm glad that you had a very similar relationship and it sounds like um so many of us from the generation we were born in and kind of just growing up with this movie within our childhood are also able to be comforted in the same way so before we get into that discussion on the movie and different ways that we relate to it and um dissect it now as adults um (laughs) Would you be able to read the synopsis of the movie for the listeners? Sure thing.
0: Young Princess Anastasia loses her memories while barely surviving the curse placed upon her family by Rasputin. Ten years later, she strives to reunite with her grandmother, her only living relative, while struggling to remember who she was. Rasputin returns to fulfill his curse, and Dmitri, the kitchen boy turned con man, and Vlad, a former nobleman, unintentionally thwart his attempts while guiding Anastasia to her destiny.
1: What a great movie. Before we get too deep into it, though, let's take a short break. This week's episode of Tear
0: Jerkers is brought to you by Glowing Power Objects. I totally realized re-watching this movie last night that this movie is the reason why, as a child, I thought the color green was evil.
1: I loved this so much as a note. <laughs> it was also very uh, revelatory to me as well. Like, oh, uh, and not just in the, the case of Slytherin, but also just like green light and mm-hmm. the color green throughout oh, the movie. Maleficent the in- um, Maleficent! Yeah, not yes. like the new version,
0: but like the classic, like Sleeping Beauty, she had like green, green growing flames. magic. Green But, like, now as an adult, I love glowing green objects. Like, I'm like, oh, that's clearly powerful. That's clearly magical. I love a glowing crystal. Like.
1: (laughs) We have embraced the villains in all of us that love that glowing green color. Exactly. I think that might be why. (laughs) Yes. I'm just remembering more. Um, Disney villains with the color green now too. Oh yeah, I. It was at the point where like I couldn't even like
0: touch the L'Oreal Kids bottle that was green that came in like the pack of like L'Oreal Kids shampoos that my mom would get from Costco. I wouldn't even touch it, and she would have to that give it away to another family. What was the
1: magic one. Was it the watermelon one?
0: Oh, I love the watermelon one. I think I grew up to, like, be fine with it, but there was a point where I was, like, so terrified of the color green because I thought it was evil that I wouldn't touch things that were green.
1: Those, I mean, they're scary. They were terrifying little, like, guardgoyle gremlin demon things that would sprout from the... Oh, God. I'm having flashbacks now. <laughs> yeah, when the green... Gremlins came out from the reliquary when they were on the train. The train scene fucked me up. Oh, yeah. As a kid. And even to this day, it still fucks me up. Um, no trains, thank you. Um, no trains, thank you. No trains, thank you. TM. When they fucked up, like, the um, cart, car, train car connectors, mm-hmm. however you would call that, and, like, used CGI magic to fuse them together into like what mm-hmm. resembled some type of like bat guano, that will always burn in it, it itself into my memory. and I will try and slough off as much of that <laughs> memory as I can, but it it does still deeply remain as a scar in the back of my mind. Um, and then the the green, scary, Um, Fantasia-esque beast that rises Mm -hmm. up to destroy the train bridge overpass of that crevasse. Like, no thank. I agree. No thank. Happy without. Children's movies are sometimes traumatizing. Sometimes. (laughs) A lot of times. Uh, Especially ones from like the
0: 90s and 80s and before. Why do they do that? I don't know.
1: How do they think they could get away with that? I don't know.
0: I feel like I grew up with all these stories, especially like these animated movies, that had these glowing objects that were imbued with power. And so as a child, I always wanted something very beautiful that I thought would give me like abilities or power. I, it's like the magical object. Devising. I don't I don't know how to describe it, but do you know what I mean? Like this fixation on like special artifacts.
1: No, I I, I had similar experiences of, as well. Like, oh, this is my special locket. It. When I open it, I um, go into my magical fantasy realm. And oh, yeah. when I open it, suddenly fairy wings sprout on my back and suddenly yes. I'm a fairy and um, no uh-huh. one understands but me because I'm special and I'm 10 years old. Yes, fuck me up. That is it. <laughs> it's such a mood to just want to be magical or special in some way, which mm-hmm. is also woo, g- getting off topic from the ad break. but um, <laughs> Is anything off topic from the ad break? <laughs> just th- the need to feel special, like oh, maybe I'm secretly a princess and I just don't know it.
0: Oh, yeah. Or even...
1: Um, going back to Harry Potter in green of just, Mm -hmm. Oh, but when will I finally get my invitation to the Hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry? Like when, when will my day come where I am recognized for the special little character that I am?
0: I know. Oh gosh. Waiting for like my Hogwarts letter or like essentially like my teen adventure inciting incident. Yes. Going through puberty and never actually having that. Oh. Oh. That is what radicalized me. Are are we ready to dive
1: into it? I think so. I think we've taken enough of a break. Let's get to it. All right. What was your mental state before watching this movie? So uh, I watched it last night after we just finished
0: hanging out. Um, Oh. (laughs) So, yeah, I think... I was, I was feeling really good. I was, I'd just eaten a nice dinner and I was sleepy but not like tired and I took out my contacts so like they weren't bugging me. I didn't really feel like I was in need of a cry the way that I often do these days but I was also like very open. I was ready. Mm. But also um, uh, last week. I came home from work one day and I really did need to cry. So I like popped on a children's cartoon on a, like a really, really sad episode. Aww. And since it's just like a 10 minute episode kind of thing, I was able to like get a good hard cry out and then clean myself up and be done in like 10 to 15 minutes and then hop on to another friend call. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I, I wasn't in need. Gotcha. But yeah. How how about you? How did you approach this movie?
1: I just watched it before recording this episode. Oh, so it's um, fresh. Very fresh. Okay. I was mentally exhausted from work. And um, for you listeners, at the time of recording, this is immediately following daylight savings for spring. Mm. So that missed hour really uh, messed me up. Can we yeah. swear on this show? We've said fuck like 10 times, Karina. Oh, it really fucked me up. Let's just say that. Um, I also um, was wanting to approach this movie from a perspective of child me Mm -hmm. prior all of the knowledge that I currently have of the Russian Revolution and um, the onslaught and execution of the Romanov family and um, the fact that Rasputin died well before they were executed. Anyway, besides the point, I just wanted to watch this movie with a fresh mind. I was tired and somehow the movie amped me up while I was watching it because little child me was alive again and thrived through this whole film. Oh, that's (laughs) great. (laughs) Oh yeah i a lot of this movie, I could
0: not help but think with my adult brain that is living in march of twenty twenty one about like the entirely uncritical pro like monarchy slash the right of kings like upbringing that we were embroiled in as like children who grew up with Disney princesses and just like stories about royalty and about how like the trueness
1: of bloodlines we just want to be princesses we just want to be royals everybody out there just wants to be special yeah
0: exactly and and it's interesting like watching this movie and obviously i'm not going to apply like a very critical Mm. um anti-monarchy lens to this like i recognize that it is what it is it's a it's a children's movie about a lost princess and it's very sweet and it's beautiful absolutely um (laughs) but like living living as an adult now and like recognizing like the terrible things that are done in the name of royalty and like maintaining a bloodline and monarchy i'm just like do i really
1: root for this right (laughs) which spoiler alert she elopes with a um not monarch so true cheers to that cheers to that yeah i mean i feel like
0: for most cases, these types of movies that we grew up watching, there was one royal character in the main pairing and then one non-royal character in the main pairing. Um, whether or not the, the like, young girl character is the, the one that's actually royalty or the one who marries into royalty, mm-hmm. like, it's always the possibility of a commoner becoming royal, right? Like, Cinderella's not royalty, mm-hmm. um, but she marries a prince, Rapunzel is royalty, and she marries a non-prince, like someone who's very far from ever becoming royal unless he marries her. Mm-hmm. Um, So I feel Aladdin. like that's, yeah, Aladdin,
1: um, Belle. Oh, speaking of comparisons to Disney movies, this is mm-hmm. totally off topic, mm-hmm. but I was reminded how visually this movie reminded me of the Hunchback of Notre Dame yes. for some reason. Yes, yes, I saw it. I saw it all over the place. The cathedrals, mm-hmm. the choruses of people, everyone taking a musical role in the entire set and cast for, for some reason. It was just so, so many similarities that I could see. And I, I don't know, not, not 100% of the time, but definitely beginning and end for sure. I'm I'm glad that you saw it too. Oh yeah, I definitely saw it in that shot of like St. Petersburg
0: right yes! as the opening trumpets are like triumphant and exactly. After the introduction, um yeah, that was Very Hunchback of Notre Dame. Also Hunchback of Notre Dame is my favorite Disney film from
1: oh, the so like renaissance
0: era of Disney. Um so I definitely want to cover that entire movie in another episode sometime. <laughs> Does it make you cry? You know, we'll have to see because I'm sure it has made me cry, but I don't think it's made me cry every single time that I've watched it. Mm. But, yeah, I I also saw those saw those uh, similarities, but I didn't quite see them in, like, the themes in the script, just in, like, the conventions of storytelling in the visual aspects. Yes. It, you know, the stories of Anastasia and... The Hunchback of Notre Dame. They're very different. They don't really have a lot of parallels. Mm. But the visuals of both of the movies have a lot. Right. Yeah. Something else that I could not help but remark on is that, like, no one has a Russian accent in this movie except, like, Vlad. And extras. And extras. No,
1: you're right. You're right. Like... And barely Angela Lansbury and Putin as well, a little bit.
0: I guess Angela Lansbury more has like a British accent and Dimitri and Anya straight up are Americans. Oh, straight up straight up. But it's okay. It's a children's movie and like accents are not used necessarily to denote the realistic background of each character's origins but rather to denote character in context of one another. Mm. So like the fact that Vlad has a Russian accent sets him apart from Dmitri and the fact that Dmitri and Anya are the only ones who have American accents kind of like puts them together in ways in the narrative that like tell more than if every single person just had a Russian accent, Mm. you know? So, like, that's the way that I justify in my brain, even though the, like, pedant in me is, like, no, they should all be speaking Russian, like, actual fluent Russian (laughs) with no
1: subtitles. (laughs) I... Credit where credit is due. I, I did, like... Going off of what you said, with the accents giving place of context, I also am reminded of... The sequence or musical number following the introduction of Dimitri and Vlad, where we are shown the square and you can see that all of the shop signs are written in Cyrillic. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. We are in St. Petersburg. And yet when Anastasia is leaving the orphanage, Mm -hmm. she comes across a street sign and both of the directions are in pure (gasps) English. You're right. I didn't notice that at all. Like, wait a minute. There's some continuity errors here, but all right. (laughs) Oh, you're right. You're right. I didn't even think about that. The size Sophie has a very, like, French accent, too, Mm -hmm. which plays off of the accent and context thing, which I love the Parisian house that they come across. But that's catering to child me and Mm -hmm. wanting to live in a French cottage and... Enjoy the greenery and have a little garden with a sundial and a puppy. Oh, um, I
0: know.
1: How picturesque.
0: So are you ready to get into it? What What got you emo? What got you crying? <laughs>
1: um, I was hit sooner than I thought. Yeah. Um, it, it hit me a little early on in the movie. Rasputin comes in and he dispels his curse or not dispels his curse. Fuck. Expels? Expels his curse. He casts his curse on the family. At the point in time where Anastasia and her grandmama are fleeing and trying to find a way out, Mm -hmm. Anastasia runs back further into the palace for her own sentiment in finding the music box that her grandma gave her. And being trapped by some armed guards, they're eagerly looking for a way out. And that's when I started getting choked up. I'm like, oh, what if this was something that actually happened in history? And then Dimitri is ushering them out through the wall and they're just trying to stay together. Like they don't know if they'll end up together and Mm -hmm. see each other to the end. They're terrified. And all of that leading up to um, the train scene where their hands aren't able to stay held together and then Once Upon a December starts playing and I just... I know. God damn it, no. (laughs) Tears start welling. I didn't cry at that time, but I sure did get emotional and uh, that was part number one. Mm -hmm. What hit you first? I would say so my first like, oh, I'm welling
0: up. I got the waterworks started um, was a little bit later. It was after we had the time jump and all of like... Rumor in St. Petersburg. It was just hearing the intro to Journey to the Past.
1: Yes, me too. I got goosebumps and I'm like, oh, it's time for Anastasia's want song. Anya, sing it please. It's so good. Like all of the songs in
0: this movie are excellent. There is not a bad song in this movie. Yes. Like, there is one song that I totally forgot about until this rewatch, but the rest of them are all so memorable. What song? Um, It's the one that Vlad sings on the ship when Dimitri and Anya are dancing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot about that song, but the rest of them I, like, have burned in my mind from the time I was a child. And, yeah, just listening to that that like tinkling piano melody at the beginning of Journey to the Past got me to start watering up. Oh, and, and just the line, home, love, family, there must have been a time I had them too. Yes. That got me teary.
1: What about you? What was your next part? She just wants a place. That was mine too. That was ah! my second one. <laughs> I, oh, following that, I have um, when Anya makes it to St. Petersburg and she enters the palace in Mm -hmm. search of Dimitri, not fully realizing that it was her childhood home. Mm -hmm. She has amnesia. She fell off a train. Um, But when, again, (laughs) once upon a December, that motif starts playing again and then... The the rush of the wind blowing through the palace and just memory triggers. I was full on, like just teary-eyed, still not crying, but super teary-eyed with um the ballroom scene. Yes, me too. I, of the ghost dancers. Exactly. Yeah. And then her dad? Uh-oh, ghost dad, Ghost Nicholas. Oh yeah.
0: Dancing with her father in the in the ghost memory thing. It's so beautiful. Like, both of those songs are just so emotionally evocative and nostalgic for something that you can't quite put your finger on. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Music has such a way of provoking different feelings mm-hmm. in this movie for me mm-hmm. that can't, exactly as you said, that can't be perfectly surmised in words like it, it's just the music knows what it's doing uh, props to those composers goddamn! right though the,
0: the <sighs> way that they consistently bring around the uh, dancing bears song and mm. um, Anya's like motif that is the beginning of journey to the past mm-hmm. and I really like what they do bringing it in and out of the movie at different points to
1: yes strike yes please and thank you yes couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) (laughs) oh that whole scene where she's like this place is so
0: familiar and yet i i'm not sure what it means to me that got me really teary i was just thinking about like her yearning her loneliness and knowing that she must have someone out there for her Nearly remembering, but not quite. Like, the pain of losing her entire family and all of her memories of them.
1: Heartache. Mm -hmm. The sound of heartache. Yeah. But to be emotionally (laughs) blue-balled by Dimitri, I have this in all caps, Uh disrupted by Dimitri immediately Ah! after that note. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't think I've ever been, like... Emotionally whip like whiplashed like that very recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Very rude, Dimitri. I even hated him at that moment in time. <laughs> Note following that, and this is this falls upon an irrelevant but funny detail. I loved how the lesser caricaturized characters. Mm-hmm. This would be um a Grand Duchess uh maria which would be i call her maria i guess she's marie but i call her after like what she probably would or who she probably would be named after so that's angela lansbury's character grand duchess marie um and anastasia of course and then dimitri especially dimitri his expressions and how they were captured in animation Mm -hmm. were so fascinating to me oh yeah especially when he was um being introduced to Anastasia and just using his con man mm-hmm. expressions. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm looking at a very human, non-animated face mm-hmm. for some reason. And just the way that these expressions are. And sometimes they look ugly. Yeah. But in a very, like, intriguing way. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad that they went with that. Um, the ugly crying, too. Yeah. Um immediately following the introduction to Dimitri and Vlad, mm-hmm. um, when Anya looks back and looks at the tapestry with the line, I guess every lonely girl wishes she were a princess, I got a little tug.
0: Oh, that's so real. I'm
1: like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every little child just wishes they were a little, a little royal, a little special, a little something else yeah um that actually
0: reminds me of stories i read um growing up but like there's a pretty common thing for children who are not with their parents um usually mm -hmm. because of death in orphanages and whatnot like it's a pretty common thing for them to make up extraordinary stories about their parents I know I saw that in a lot of children's media about, you know, like Little Orphan Annie or, um, like, what was that other movie about that adopted kid? Like, uh, Meet the Robinsons, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also remember reading books about, you know, characters where the main child grows up in an orphanage or something or in the foster care system. A lot of times it's very common for those kids to concoct stories that – that give elaborate explanations as to why their parents aren't present in their lives but are still very special and very good. Mm -hmm. And you saying that about Anya's line that every lonely girl probably wishes that she were a princess, that reminded me of that and how painful that must be.
1: Yeah. That was a good connection. I, I do have to wonder how different people kind of growing up with that particular experience would interpret this movie. Oh, yeah. And how it... May or may not resonate with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Gosh, I'm always excited to to learn about people's different perspectives on movies that I cherished as a child. Oh yeah, and how it it may hit different for them. Ow, my heart. Um, <laughs> carrying on. Mm-hmm. I I was following the mu- music a lot. I took so many music yeah notes. Anya's motif came up briefly again right before I, I think I think my favorite line in Journey to the Past is more of just like Anya not being afraid to both embrace and face her past like feet don't feel me now and heart don't feel me now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how that motif kind of came up immediately before Vlad and Dimitri's song of like If I can learn to do it, then you can learn to do it and you can learn to do it too. And I'm just like, yes, girl, this is your journey. Carry Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Um, You are going to find out so much and learn so much about yourself, even if it's not something that you were um, expecting. And if it's something that you're hoping for and you end up not having that hope fulfilled, that's okay. And if you end up having that hope fulfilled and then realizing it's not actually what you wanted, it's still okay. And we will get to that point in the chronological line of things, but it all just goes back to goddamn. the composers sure knew what they were doing. Yeah. With this storytelling.
0: Yeah. Did you want to touch a little bit on, um, the stuff about Anya's identity and self-discovery?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was kind of leading towards that. Um, Oh, still some emotional notes. Yeah. Let's hear them. I think at this... There was a theme that I did realize later on in the movie. Um, And I think it's also because we are introduced more and more to um, Anya's grandmother as the movie comes to its end. But the more that Anya is finding herself, the more of... Her grandmother's pain, we kind of see, comes to a climax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anya finding the music box on the ship was, again, a, a little emotional trigger moment. Um, just because, again, of that once upon a December starting to play again. Um, I did get emotional with the nightmares that she was having when. Rasputin's reliquary was spewing out the green little goblins again and tormenting her and how representative of that that was to her. Sometimes facing your past can be really heartbreaking. Mm. I have to realize that Anya probably has so much repressed PTSD Mm. from what actually happened to her family because they are all gone now. And her grandmother is most likely her only living relative. When she says, like, faces, I keep seeing so many faces. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Because I'm
0: pretty sure that the figure in her dream that is, like, coaxing her down off of the cliff is her father. It was her father. Yeah. Like, that just fucked me up. That that was a lot to think about. Like, chills, actually. And there's, like, the possibility that the other girls in the swimsuits were her sisters. Were
1: her sisters. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really, you're not really able to put those into words as a kid. They're kind of just there. And it it, it clicks. You're kind of able to register it, but not in a way that makes you realize it in the grand scheme of things. At least not for me. Maybe I just wasn't a smart kid, but ooh.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's true. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's just, it's kind of hard to make all of those emotional connections at once. Mm-hmm. God, just the more that her memory comes back to her, the more emotional that I was getting. Mm-hmm. She mentions on her final interview question with um, Sophie that, yet like in vague detail gives the details of how she escaped mm-hmm. from the palace and Dimitri has his revelation, and I'm like, oh, shit, here oh, we I go. Know.
0: When Dimitri finally realizes that she is the real thing, it brings about this change in him that is very remarkable. It was
1: abrupt, too. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I actually
0: was really curious about, like, why he suddenly changed so much. He went from being like, oh, yeah, you know... Slimy con man. Yeah, we're going to try to pass this girl off and like we're doing our best. and She doesn't even know that like we're doing this for money to suddenly being like this upright, noble gentleman. And I was kind of like, why? Why is that? He suddenly suddenly is like, oh, I have to do like the fully right thing. But I'm not I'm not against it. I mean, it really like locks him in as like a good romantic lead you know
1: i can't confirm this 100% but a, a small part in me does want to wish that this may be the case but along with vlad realizing that even if anya doesn't doesn't get exactly what she wants and even if this isn't the character that they want her to actually be so they can get a monetary reward Mm -hmm. she will find some kind of solace and home in paris and maybe they do through anya's character quirks and snarkiness and being the wonderful girl that she is like falling in love with her as a person kind of all root for her greater good and i kind of see that a little bit in that song before they finally get to Sophie's cottage home outside of Paris or wherever they end up being on that very odd map of Europe Mm -hmm. um, that they kept revisiting on their travels. Um, I I just want to think that over time after saving each other's lives from a train and a ship, Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe they just wanted the best for each other. Yeah. And when he realized that she actually was who she really was, he was just like, well, shit, I have the memory now of actually being that boy in the palace, and I saved your life. Yeah. I'm going to be good now. <laughs> <laughs> I think in some way
0: it it was what you said about um, him falling in love with her as just Anya. And I think maybe he was starting to imagine a life for them where she didn't succeed in convincing the dowager duchess that Mm -hmm. she was the granddaughter. So Dimitri was like, oh, well, if she fails at this, it's like not a big deal because we can be together and build a life together in Paris. But as soon as he realizes that she's the real thing, he's like, oh, I didn't realize that this isn't what I wanted. You know, oh, shit. that's when he's like, wait, I know that we were doing this, but I didn't realize that it was for real. And now I'm thinking I don't want it. And, <gasps> romance. Yeah. And so it's his heartbreak, him realizing that he actually imagined being in Anya's life much longer and then thinking, well, if she's really the Princess Anastasia, then uh, there's no space for me in the princess's life. And so this can't be, but good for her. So I'm not gonna stand in the way of that, mm. you know? I think that's actually part of what it is. Absolutely, I can't disagree with that. Him realizing that that's not what he wanted in the end. Um, God damn. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next crying, tearing up moment is actually um, when Anya and Grandmama are reunited. Yes, I. <laughs> that was my actual
1: cry. <laughs> yes,
0: I got I got pretty close to crying there. Um, I have a lot of unaddressed grandma issues right now. I'm realizing, mm-hmm. like, my mother's mother passed away two years ago, and I like haven't really dealt with it. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in my brain nowadays about like grandmothers and realizing that like your grandmother is. A connection to an image of your future and also my grandmother's I don't know if I want to keep this part in but Mm -hmm. um, you know just like seeing my grandmother made me think about my mother at that age and then myself at that age and it's just a lot for me to think about. Um,
1: Yeah I, I feel like you did touch on this in a previous episode. Yeah. Briefly. And you don't have to get it too much into it now, but. I So, yeah, the moment when they were
0: reunited was probably the most emotional for me.
1: Absolutely. It was the same for me, too. Yeah. My grandma is also kind of getting up there on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about her a lot. She's currently safe under one of my aunt's care, and I love her dearly. But yeah, I just grandmas grandmas yeah love your grandma love
0: your grandma call her if you can
1: (laughs) every bit of that scene was just so great Mm -hmm. we have her memory being triggered by an olfactory kind of trigger like the peppermint and i'm like oh yes oh yes the peppermint and like when she mentioned peppermint and she's like, yes, for an, an oil for my hands. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's, it's time. And then once they started singing the song together, I was just like, yep, here are the tears. Let them flow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Just heartwarming. Yeah. The emotions that were captured on their faces, too, like the ugly crying mm-hmm. that the Grand Duchess does. It's mm-hmm. just so like beautiful. Whenever that character in particular gets teary-eyed, it just looks really good. Yeah. Like wow. They know how to animate teary eyes. Yeah. Um did you have any emotional moments
0: following that? No, that would be my last crying note. Did you have any other
1: emotional moments you wanted to cover? I did. Okay. Um and this one specifically kind of ties into Um, Anastasia's, uh, for lack of better words, I'll put this in air quotes, Mm self-actualization is when she is facing Rasputin at the very end Mm -hmm. and she is, this is before Dimitri enters and then gets swept to the side, Mm -hmm. but, um, she confronts him and she says, I'm not afraid of you. And this was like after one of the um, illusions that he kind of traps her in. And I took those words as being, you are a figment of my past. And you happened to me in my past. And even though you are present now, I am not afraid of you now. I am no longer afraid of who you were then. And I am ready for whatever there is to come. Um, I also wrote in my notes, this is This is Anya stating that she is literally facing her fears and her past and all that it holds for her and that none of it defines who she is now. I think her finally stating that line to an embodiment of all of the tragic things of her past, running away from that, coming back to face it, knowing that whether she be a royal princess of a royal family or an orphan girl with no quote-unquote special background, that she was ready to face whatever she had come from, whatever the future holds for her, and not let any of that define her as a person. I just thought that was a pretty great way to end a children's movie. Yeah. So I got emotional there. (laughs) I really like that she
0: was the one who just tackles Rasputin and
1: gets the source (laughs) of power
0: away from him. Like, Dimitri coming back was important, and he definitely does, like, save her, in a sense. At least like, he buys her time, but she's ultimately the one who destroys Rasputin entirely. And goes
1: to Dimitri's aid at the very end mm-hmm. as the fulfilled hero like she yeah. is the hero of her own movie I I loved that yeah
0: me too and it's like one of the few times where like the protagonist of a children's movie like directly quote unquote kills the villain because usually the villain like dies from a fall due to their own like flaws and Mm -hmm. in some ways you could say that like the fact that rasputin's entire like body and soul is destroyed because he made a pact about this artifact like that's his like great mistake that leads to his downfall but like she still gets to like murder him Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool
1: yeah she she ended that necromancy right then and there and i child me thought it was grotesque as Ever: but You know what? grown-up me also thought it was grotesque. It is yeah. not pretty. It's not. The, the bones disintegrating into dust were a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly it was like the flesh boiling off of him. That
0: was yeah. That was a lot.: They
1: sure had fun drawing yeah. every frame of that, didn't they? Um, <laughs> yeah. Questionable. <laughs> um, before we pivot to ratings. I just had
0: one thing I wanted to talk about. It's not really on topic, but... Um, Go for it, yeah. I felt like Vlad had, like, major Uncle Iroh energy.
1: <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. He he had a very, like, gentle presence. Mm-hmm. Gentle guiding hand yeah. presence. I I loved him as a silent character too, Mm -hmm. the emotions that they captured and the different gestures that he had. I loved when Dimitri and Anya were arguing in the beginning and he (laughs) would take, I don't know if it was in his notes or what. The two was winning each argument.
0: argument. Oh, I love it. He just, he just has like that uncle Iroh energy and that would make, I guess, uh, Dimitri Zuko. Then who would Anya be? I mean, I think that's where what's the metaphor breaks down. Ma- um <laughs> what's that ship, Maypal? <laughs> um, yes, I mean, I'm we don't need to get into uh Avatar the Last Airbender ships, but um I just really like the the calming, gentle presence as well as the like guidance and like non-threatening older man who like once held a seat of power in the regime that has fallen but like has quite distanced himself from it you know just some parallels just some yeah just some parallels here
1: (laughs) well that was a good note i i like that a lot actually thank you so are you ready to give ratings oh right um what was the rating scale again yes i'll go over it so
0: one teardrop is bone dry, two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't this time, three teardrops, it got me a little, four teardrops, I cried, and five teardrops, full sobbing.
1: So, what was your rating? Um, surprisingly, and maybe it's just because I've seen this movie enough times, not quite for some time, but enough times, I think Was maybe a three and a half teardrops. Nice. There was only one scene where I did actually cry.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, I think it was. I think I was teary majority of those emotional scenes. Versus, Mm -hmm. I I expected myself to cry a bit more. What Mm -hmm. about you? My
0: rating is going to be a two point seven five. Okay. It got me teary eyed a little bit here or there, but. I didn't really cry. I think that if I was like in a more vulnerable position, like if I really really needed to let it out, I think I could cry at this movie, which is what got me, you know, up a little bit. Um mm. but there nothing actually like rolled down my cheeks and I I didn't quite get to the that like peak of, "Oh, I'm I'm crying." It just got me like teary here and there. Um but i loved it it's beautiful
1: oh. <laughs> yeah it it definitely i think um goes with the purpose of what made this something we decided to cover this week is just it's a comfort film yeah yeah so i'm i'm glad that we both enjoyed it that's that's good to hear
0: <laughs> all right before we get to the closing segment let's take a break <laughs> <laughs>
1: This week's episode of Teardrickers is brought to you by Angela Lansbury's phenomenal voice acting (laughs) and acting in general, but particularly voice acting for Anastasia. Good God. Truly, like, she is
0: a pillar of our childhoods, you know? Yeah. Like, she was in so many things and I didn't realize it as a kid.
1: Same. Murder, She Wrote Especially Oh. kind of awakened that. Like wow. This is okay. She's <laughs> phenomenal. I love her. I was thinking Mrs. Potts, but like, oh my god. <laughs> See, I didn't even remember she was Mrs. Potts. How could you not remember Mrs. Potts? That's like what
0: I know Angela Lansbury from. Just just not in this moment. She's so good. <sighs> there were there were a lot of points in Anastasia where I wasn't sure for a second if this was Angela Lansbury I was pretty sure it was because of when the movie came out Mm. but like if this movie came out now I would think that it was Julia Julie Andrews really Um, yeah yeah. I think it's just because of Julia Andrews being the narrator on Bridgerton oh god (laughs) Um, fair um, loving loving her work on that but this is about Angela Lansbury who is also phenomenal incredible
1: an icon
0: yeah voice of our childhood and also slightly unrelated but voice acting um Christopher Lloyd who voices Rasputin was having the best time in that recording studio
1: absolutely relevant are you kidding me like we're t- we're talking about two two geniuses in the acting acting world <laughs> his like
0: squeals and screams of terror and delight throughout the movie are just
1: so fun i feel like The way everything was animated in his character was captured so perfectly with the way that he voice acted it. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it almost sounds like they put him in the studio, told him to make noises, and then animated around the sounds that he made.
1: Which technically they do. Yeah. Technically. I I don't think it could have been done any differently if it wasn't Christopher Lloyd. Mm Mm-hmm. Just two icons. I, I I can't think of dancing bugs the same way like <laughs> if we're a different voice actor. Yeah. Or yeah. a mouth on a beard instead of on a face the same way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mouth on the beard. I still think about that a lot.
1: Me too. Yeah. Yeah, that's great for kids. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Anything else you want to see about Angela Lansbury? I, I just gush. I love her. I think she's great. Fair. Nothing, fair. nothing else that I can put into uh, um, a point that I haven't yet said, unfortunately. All right. Then
0: let's bring it back from this break. So this week we are closing up with what made me cry this week. So tell me, Karina, what made you cry this
1: week? Today, While I was driving home from work, mm-hmm. it, it may just be from the emotional exhaustion, but in my neighborhood, there was a little girl walking her dog, and I was driving slow, getting to my parking spot. She was wearing, like, little owl earmuffs mm-hmm. and, like, walking her dog with her family, and she waves at me in my car, and I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so wholesome. Oh. And I teared up a little, and I'm like, oh. I can't wait for more wholesome interactions in the world. Oh, that's beautiful. <sighs> How old was she? I don't know. Probably like eight. Yeah. The age of Anastasia before oh. um <laughs> shit went to shit. Mm-hmm. What made you cry this week? Or did anything made you cry make you cry this week?
0: Oh, I always have something that made me cry. I usually cry multiple times a week, so I am never going to be out of um, stories.
1: Ain't that a vibe? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh,
0: The other day I was at my parents' place visiting them. I see my parents a few times a week because of COVID. Mm. Um, We've bubbled together. And this is like really small, but for some reason it just like shook me and hit me my mom and I were sitting in the kitchen and she and I were talking and I don't really know why I was like so vulnerable at that moment but she got up and she was like do you want me to cut you a mango and I was like yeah sure and I just sat at the table and I watched her cut a mango for me and it made me cry because I just thought about like how that like cutting up of fruit for your child is an act of love and how I'm not always going to have my mom there to cut mangoes for me. And like I said before, I have unresolved grandma issues because um, my mother's mother passed away a couple years ago and I haven't really dealt with that. But it has also forced me to reckon with my mother's mortality in a way that I hadn't entirely reckoned with yet. So yeah, just like watching my mother cut mangoes made me cry.
1: Oh, Maybell. Oh, I'm teary now. Oh, God. Yeah, that's sweet. Does it tie into the theme? I think so. <laughs> I think a little bit. Um,
0: just. Yeah, it just it just made me think about those little like acts of service, I guess, is the technical love language That it is. That is, yeah. And the little ways that moms still want to show that type of love to their kids, even when we're grown up. Mm. Like, technically, I could cut a mango for myself, but it was nice to see my mom do it.
1: Yeah, it's different when your mom does it. Yeah.
0: I can't cut a mango the the way my mom does. Like, I'm just not that good at it. So that's just a fact.
1: Oh. I miss my mom. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's cool. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you for sharing that with me. Wow. That hit different.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Anastasia? Was it one of your comfort movies growing up? Tell us how it made you feel by
1: hitting us up on Twitter at TearJerkers underscore pod. And join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at TearJerkers Community. If you want to send us a voice memo
0: of your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to TearJerkers.podcast at gmail.com. And if you have an opportunity, please give us a five-star review on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us. It really helps us so much, and we really appreciate it.
1: Don't forget to subscribe. we favorite, so you can be sure to catch the next episode. They're always great. <laughs>
0: Thank you. And as always, tell your friends about this
1: podcast.
0: Tell someone you knew who, as a child, thought they were a long-lost princess about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who's ever seen the Anastasia Stage musical, which I didn't even touch on, <laughs> you should applaud my self-restraint. I did not touch talk about the stage adaptation of this anyway not a single utterance not a single one until now anyway applaud me and also tell them to listen to us tearjerkers is produced by me Maybell shimizu and co-hosted by me and today karina
1: hi thank you to oliver for our show art if you're interested in contacting him about purchasing any art you can do so by emailing beastcoastarts at gmail.com And another thank you to the wizard behind our intro music and the
0: editing hero of this podcast, Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Lincoln, please. Thanks for listening. Now go follow a puppy.